Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au If you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. I actually do believe we're living in a, uh, a significant time, a pivotal moment in church history in our nation. You know, we've just gone through a global, once-in-a-lifetime uh, pandemic together. Uh, look around our nation right now, there's a generation growing up completely confused about their identity, more confused about their identity than than ever before. There's a, there's a growing antagonism towards the church and towards the you know, exclusivity of the gospel, meaning the, the, the gospel is the only way for people to be saved. In my uh, 28 years of pastoral ministry, I've never felt such an antagonism in the community uh, towards the church. At the same time, there's a growing awareness that science can't solve all our problems, that finance doesn't fix all our problems. You know, people have, have bowed down, you know, to, uh, to many idols and realised that they've come up short. And so there is a spiritual hunger out there. I believe people are seeking a, a spiritual experience. And so we can look at all that is happening uh, around us and we can respond in a few different ways. We can kind of just stick our head in the sand and pretend it's not happening. All right, we can just, as a church, we can just kind of shrink back and just try and survive, you know, through this season. We, we could water down the gospel and, and make it sort of sound more palatable, you know, to uh, people out there that uh, don't like the way it sounds right now. Or we could seize this opportunity this opportunity in time, this pivotal moment in church history to actually shine a bright light on the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. And I'm trusting this morning that we're, we're in this room, we're gathering you know, on this Sunday morning because we believe that that is the way that we should respond, that this is the time to shine a bright light on who Jesus is and the difference that he makes in our lives now and for all eternity. Now, I'm not saying that this moment in, in history in our nation is quite as pivotal as the moment in Acts chapter 13. But I do believe this is a pivotal moment and I believe God has spoken to me. He's just given me a word from these couple of verses in Acts chapter 13. See, Acts chapter 13 is the church in Antioch. And sometimes, you know, we hear all these, you know, uh, Middle Eastern or uh, far, these Eastern names and we think, you know, obviously they're a really spiritual church, you know. There's something different about them. They're exactly the same as us. It could just simply say the church in Redlands. You know, they were an ordinary group of people. They were an ordinary group of people who were, who were worshipping uh, Jesus. And we need to understand this moment in church history that I'm about to read in Acts chapter 13 is 18 years after the resurrection. 
All right, it's 18 years after the resurrection of Christ. It's 18 years after Jesus said uh, to uh, 11 disciples on the side of a hill, don't do anything, don't go anywhere, but just wait until my Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Now, 18 years after Jesus has said, you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, they haven't jolly well gone anywhere. They're still in Jerusalem. They've gone to Judea. They've gone to Samaria. And uh, a few people have been scattered to further places because they were being persecuted. But the church has not done anything intentional to open new doors for the gospel to the ends of the earth. All right? They haven't gone anywhere beyond, you know, their, their sphere of influence. They're stuck in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria until this moment, 18 years later. Acts chapter 13, if you've got a Bible, open it up. It'll come up on the screen. I'm just going to read two simple verses. It says, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, everyone say fasting. You said it like you liked it. I'm not sure you do. Uh, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Just a few verses. A few simple verses describing a moment in church history. But it's a very significant moment. Just a couple of things God's really been speaking to me out of this moment for this moment we're in, uh, in our nation, in the church history that we're living in. Firstly, God speaks when his people get hungry. You know, you know what it said there? It says, while they were worshipping the Lord and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, they heard God speak to them, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul to fulfill their calling. I actually think it's time for the church to return to this kind of simplicity. This is pretty simple. It's time for the church to return to this kind of simplicity, where, where ministry before the Lord comes before ministry for the Lord. Where the church actually gets on their knees and prays and fasts because they're hungry for God's power to be poured out. They're hungry for the presence of the Lord. They're hungry to hear the word of the Lord. You see, we've become pretty clever in the church. We've actually, you know, become pretty uh, clever. We run a whole bunch of great programs and we've got great buildings. And church in Antioch didn't have any of these things. And we've, we can go to Coorong and we can buy a whole bunch of great resources. We can download a whole bunch of, you know, fantastic teaching with a click of our fingers. You know, the, the church has become very, very clever. But what I'm absolutely convicted about is that doing better the things that we already do well will not bring revival to this nation. Doing better what we already do well will not bring revival to this nation. God is calling his church in this season to get hungry for him, to get on our knees in prayer. 
and to cry out to him for a mighty move of his power through this nation. You know, when I uh, first went to, to Bible college, um, I was 22 and so 20, what was that, 27 years ago. And uh, I actually didn't know at that point that fasting was a spiritual practice that the church had been part of for 2,000 years. I didn't know that fasting was still something that Jesus called his church to. But I, uh, I began to read stories as a college. I began to read stories about, you know, John Wesley, you know, fasting two days a week, every week, and spending uh, weeks at a time in, in prayer and fasting, just crying out for a, a move of God before the great awakening, the Holy Spirit, you know, being poured out. I realized at that point I'd never fasted. I mean, I'd done the 40-hour famine, and I think I ate about 3,000 barley sugars in 40 hours, that was it. And I, I just had this passion to see people come to know Jesus. I was working in high schools at the time. I was sharing the gospel with as many people as I could. And I just wasn't seeing, you know, anyone get saved. I wasn't seeing any fruit. And as I began to read these stories, you know, about, you know, great moves of God's spirit throughout history and particularly, you know, uh, through, through the UK and through America in the last uh, couple of hundred years and what precipitated these great moves uh, of God in somewhat recent history. And I began to see, you know, typically there was the church was called to pray and to fast for periods of time to hear God speak and to see God move. And so I remember the first time I, uh, I decided to, to fast. I went on a three-day prayer and fasting retreat. And my parents used to have this little uh, house uh, on the central coast of New South Wales on the lake. And I remember we'd go there as kids and we'd feed, you know, this uh, little possum that would come down. We'd, we'd hand feed it. Well, day two of this first time I was on this prayer and fasting retreat, I was starving. By, by dinner time, day two, my body was eating itself. And I, I, this little possum ran down, you know, onto the, onto the handrail. And, and I could picture this little cute animal that I've fed since I was a kid, rotisserating. <laughs> you know, I, I could see him on a little handmade spit basted in oil and garlic. You know, I was ready to eat that little possum. You know, I, I wanted to eat anything. Right, my prayer time went like this. God, I want steak. God, I want some chips. Oh, God, I want mashed potato. God, I want cheesecake. And God, I want some Tim Tams. But God, I want you more. I want you more. God, God broke through. God, God broke through in my life in that moment. And it wasn't that God was in heaven looking down going, oh, Jason's a good boy, he's going hungry for me. I'll give him what he wants. That, that's not what fasting is about. As I fasted, God broke through in me. Something changed in me that night. I began to believe for the first time in my life that the 
gospel truly was the power of salvation for anyone who believes and there was no other power. And I began to believe for the first time that every time I opened my mouth to share the good news of Jesus, the Spirit of God was working to bring people to conviction, that he was bringing people to repentance, that people would be saved. God broke through and put faith in my heart. And I just began to share the gospel differently. And I began to see miracles happen. I began to see young people get saved from gangs. I began to see young people get saved from dysfunctional families. I began to see whole families redeemed for the first time in my life. God changed something in me. You see, when you pray... And when you fast and when you get hungry for God, there is a new spiritual awareness. God, We hear God speak in different ways and God brings breakthrough. Let me fast forward. Now, I've got to be honest here this morning and say, I still hate fasting. It hurts. I've seen God move in powerful ways, but I still put it to the side for months, sometimes to my shame, even years at a time. Because it hurts. But let me fast forward to much more recent history. 2017, we had a week of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year at Gateway. And we had some prayer meetings. We've, we believed God was calling us to plant some churches. Now, let me just give you some context. We planted one church, you heard the story this morning, down in Ormo, in 84 years of our church history. All right, we're 84 you know, years old and we planned one church uh, down in Ormo. But we believed that God was calling us to plant some more. And so we had this week of, of prayer and fasting. And let me tell you, as we prayed together, God spoke in a way I did not see it coming. God started to say things like, Gateway is going to have twins. God is going to open bifold doors. God is going to open doors to the east and to the west. And in these prayer meetings, these words kept coming through like that. God is going to give you new keys to open new doors in two places. It started to sound like, you know, even though we've only planted one church in 84 years, that we were going to plant two more. And we had zero dollars in the bank. But God said, east and west. And so we started to look, Redlands and Logan. And, and in 2018, we found this room here. And it was an old basketball court and an old roller skating rink. And it looked a little bit like that. And do you know somebody, or not just not one person actually, several people, donated over $900,000 to turn it into this, to make it in this room for worship, those kids and new spaces out there, the hospitality spaces. God spoke. God provided. As we prayed and as we fasted, God did something we never could have planned for ourselves. And it's been an incredible joy to see what God is doing down here. See all those young people get baptised uh, at, at the end of uh, last year. And what we found out as we believed God had led us to this place, what we found out is this land here, 
was donated by a tomato farmer who had a vision to run basketball competitions and share the gospel of Jesus. And he did that for years, but it got too big for him. And years later, he handed over to the, y- to the first of the council and then to the YMCA. And it kind of lost its vision. But they stood on this piece of land that we're sitting in right now. And they fasted. And they prayed that one day this land would be used for many young people to hear the gospel. And it sort of went a twisty, windy road. But God is still doing his thing. God is answering prayer. And as a, a church 30 years later began to fast and pray, you know, this, this place here that was set apart, that was set aside for ministry, you know, for, for, for the gospel was once again opened up for Jesus to be worshipped, for young people to come in and to find salvation and to have their lives changed forever. I want to encourage you today that when we get hungry for God, when we cry out to him in prayer, God speaks and God brings breakthrough. Then three months later, Gateway did have twins and we had no idea how it was going to happen until someone called me up and said, can we become Gateway Logan? And I'd never, ever met them before. And from having absolutely nothing, except a prayer in our heart that God was calling us to plant churches. God had brought about a miracle. And it's just so exciting to see down at Gateway Logan, as Sam prayed this morning, just a multicultural church, people from all nations coming in, hearing the good news of Jesus and having their lives transformed. God speaks when his people get hungry. What, What are you hungry for? What breakthrough do you want to see more than you want cheesecake? Come on, what do you want more than cheesecake? What, what are you willing to actually you know, go without? You see, what, what happens when we fast is we actually put aside one of our strongest human desires, our strongest you know, fleshly desires to actually become more spiritually aware. You see, it's as in Antioch, as they fasted and prayed, they put aside their fleshly desire for food, they became spiritually aware, and it says the Holy Spirit said. What are you hungry for? Just to think for a minute. Think of one person you'd like to see come to know Jesus. Are you hungry enough to see God move in their life that you'd go without food for a day? to listen to God and say, God, I want a breakthrough. God, I want to hear what your spirit is saying to me. What are you hungry for? I believe God is calling his church to get on our knees, to get hungry for breakthrough because the gospel is the only power for salvation and there's a community out there dying, dying of loneliness heading to a Christless eternity. Our nation needs a powerful move of God's Spirit. 8% of our nation is in a church today. 8%. That's 92%. Even if we're generous and say 80% are heading to a Christless eternity. What are you hungry for? What breakthrough do you want more than cheesecake? This pivotal moment in church history as they prayed 
and they fasted, the Holy Spirit said, and they saw the greatest breakthrough since Pentecost. God speaks when his people get hungry. It says, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I've called them. You see, God sets apart, God speaks when his people get hungry and he sets apart people for great moves of his spirit. If you look through biblical history now, before every great move of the spirit of God, God sets people apart. So if you go all the way back to the Old Testament and and Joshua, you know, chapter 1, and and they're standing at the River Jordan, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, you know, God says to them, go and consecrate yourselves in the river because tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things among you. And so they literally went and washed themselves and they washed their clothes in the river as a picture of being set apart, of being, of being washed clean, being consecrated. And then tomorrow, God did do amazing things. As they stepped out in faith and they put their foot into the raging waters, God stopped the water upstream And a million people, I can't even remember how many now, millions of people, you know, walked across, I think it was a million people, a million people, you know, walked across on dry ground. It was a great move of God. But but God set his people apart first. Fast forward just a a few months and and now in Joshua uh, chapter 6 and they're about to, uh, you know, take, make their first victory, take their first town in their promised land. And uh, they need, they're greatly outnumbered. They don't have the, the strength to actually defeat the armies and the fortified cities that are in front of them. And God says to them, before you go into battle, I want you to circumcise every male. God made them weak before he made them strong. And then they saw a miraculous victory that had nothing to do with their strength and everything to do with the strength and the might of God. God set them apart. He made them different. He made them distinct. In fact, that word set apart actually literally means that the cutting off of actually, it means coming different to those around us and there was a great move you know of God's spirit you fast forward to Acts chapter 1 as I said before Jesus said on the side of the hill don't go anywhere don't do anything until my Holy Spirit comes upon you then in Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit came as they were praying in the upper room the Holy Spirit was poured out on on Pentecost Sunday they began to speak in other languages and they began to share the gospel with boldness and 3,000 and people came to know Jesus in one day. The Holy Spirit came upon them and made them holy, set them apart, made them different to everybody, all the surrounding nations that had come to hear the gospel for the first time. Fast forward to Acts chapter uh, uh, 6, 6, and uh, the church in Jerusalem is growing. More and more people are coming to know Jesus, and the disciples can't do all of the ministry anymore. And so uh, God says, set apart for me seven new leaders who are full of the Holy Spirit, you know, who can, who can take on these ministries duties and they did they set apart these new leaders by the laying on of hands they were set apart for ministry they were filled with the spirit and the church continued to grow and then in Acts chapter 13 here 
Again, God says, set apart for me. Set apart for me, Saul and Barnabas, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the, the ministry that I've called them to. And they laid hands on them and they were filled with the Spirit. And they went in the strength of the Spirit. And they saw God do incredible things. You can go all the way through the Bible before every great move of God in history. He sets ordinary people apart to serve his purposes in his power. Now, we live in really good days. There were days when it was just certain people, certain times for certain tasks that the Holy Spirit came upon. We live in different days. You see, today we remember Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. And as they saw this great outpouring you know, of, of the Spirit, and people were confused about what was going on. Peter stands up and he says, this is what Joel prophesied about. He says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit you know, on all people. Young men, you know, will we'll see visions. And old men will dream dreams. Put your hand up if you see visions. Put your hand up if you dream dreams. Okay, there's the old people and the young people, all right? Young people, you know, will see visions. Old men, you know, will, uh, will, will dream dreams. Or even on my sons and my daughters, men and women, young and old, I will pour out my spirit on all people in those days. Who knows that those days are these days? Those days are these days. On the day of Pentecost, you know, tongues of fire, you know, came and settled upon, you know, ordinary people with well-groomed beards and people, you know, with longer hair and no beards, thankfully. And tongues of fire, you know, came, you know, and settled upon people with lots and lots of hair and others with... Little to no hair. You know, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, you know, it came and settled upon those who aren't that young anymore, but still have lots of hair. This was the incredible thing of the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit that was once the power and the presence of God was only reserved for certain people who kind of stood out the front on stages or wore special clothes or got to walk into special places in the temple. No longer. Now everyone got to play. The power of the Spirit, the presence of God was now upon all people who believed in Jesus Christ, young and old, sons and daughters. God's Spirit sets us all apart for great moves of His power. We all get to play. Anyone here? Just like to move in more of the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, I want a little show of hands. Who wants to move in more of the power of the Holy Spirit? 
I reckon there's just two simple things. I'm not going to go through everything I think we need to see that happen, but two simple things. Firstly, there's a surrender to his will. We actually don't need more of the Spirit. He needs more of us. If you're not seeing God move in power, have you done what he last told you to do? Surrender to his will. I think Eleanor spoke a little bit about this last week, so I'm not going to speak too much about that, but maybe there's some of us here today. We've just got to surrender to his will. Secondly, you've got to step out in faith, trusting that God can still do the impossible today. You know, as a 22-year-old just starting to share the gospel and share it with power, you know, I just began to step into a new space. I just began to, to believe that every time I opened my mouth, whether I was in a high school or a church, that God was moving by his spirit. And even though I didn't feel any different, even though nothing, you know, nothing, you know, I didn't get the goosebumps. I just had to step into a new space and trust that God was working, trust God for his word. When I first started preaching for the first time, I was awful. Now, you might still think I'm terrible now, but I was awful back then. But as I stepped in and stepped out by faith into, into that space, I just began to know that the Holy Spirit was upon me. You know, one of the things I love to do is to, to prophesy over people and just to speak God's word over people. And still to this day, when I do it, often I just see God just pinpointing a person. I just feel something in my heart for a particular person. But often he'll only give me one word or one little picture and I've got no idea what I'm going to say next. But I've got to step out in faith. You see, some of us are waiting for God to move in power and we're staying stationary. And the reason that we're not seeing God move in power is because we're staying in a place where we don't need his power. See, while you're staying stationary, while you're staying where you are, while you're staying comfortable, you don't need the power of God. We're not called to live by sight. We're called to live by faith. And so you've got to step into a place saying, God, I really believe you want to see this happen. I really believe you're putting this in my heart. And you've got to step into a space even when you don't know how you can make it happen in your own strength, trusting that God's got the power for you you while you stay stationary while you stay in a place of comfort while you stay in a place where you know you've you you know you've got the the wisdom and the strength and the ability to control everything around you you won't see a move of God's spirit he's waiting for you to step out in faith into that place where you desperately need his power Some of us, I think, have just got to take the next step. Some of you have been had words spoken over you. Or there's a dream that you've just had in your heart, you know, something you believe God's calling you to do for years and it hasn't happened yet, and you've almost given up on it. Can I just remind you, sometimes we read the Bible really quickly and we don't realize how long some of these things take. Do you notice in that verse it says, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them? How did Saul know the work to which he was called? You remember the Damascus Road experience? What did God say to him? 
you're going to be a light to the Gentiles. When was that? The year 36 AD. What year is this? Acts chapter 13. When it says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart the work to which I've called them. The year 46. It's 10 years later. It's six chapters later in the book of Acts. But it's 10 years later. You've been waiting 10 years. 10 years preparing to step foot into the new thing that God has for them. Maybe some of you here this morning, there's a dream that God's put in your heart. There's a prayer you've been praying for five minutes. Maybe there's, there's something you've really wanted to see God do and it's time to step into it. It's, time, it's not time to give up on that prayer, but it's time to step out in faith into the new thing that God has got for you. God speaks when his people get hungry and God sets apart his people and fills them with power to fulfill his purpose. But there's a step you've got to take. Just like the Jordan River, they had to step into that raging river before it stopped. To open, Peter had to open his mouth and preach the gospel, not knowing whether those that crucified Jesus were going to crucify him or whether God's spirit was going to move in power. There's a step of faith you've got to take. What's the next step you've got to take this morning? then it says, after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them. It was a picture of being filled with the Holy Spirit and they sent them off. Come on, I'm a little bit of honesty here this morning. Who's been sent off a sporting field? Come on, just put your hand up if you've ever been, oh good, I'm with friends. You know, I've, I've kept this a secret for a long time. But when I first came to Queensland and joined uh, as a pastor at, uh, at, at Gateway, I'd played rugby my whole life and uh, moved to Queensland. And at the time, the Lions were winning and everyone at church was playing Aussie rules. And so a couple of guys were playing for, um, I think it was Cooper Roo. And they uh, rang me one uh, Saturday morning and said, our reserve grade team is short. Can you uh, come and play? And I, you know, I thought, oh, sure, I was trying to make new friends. And so I, uh, I turn up and the coach said, what position do you play? And I said, second row. And uh, they, apparently they don't have any second rowers in Aussie rules. Anyway, I, I ran on to play because I was so short in their reserve grade team, they'd take anybody. And uh, I ran on to play. Every time I went to pick up the ball, before I got the ball, someone would knock me out of the road. And the ref never blew the whistle. And I'm thinking, you're not allowed to do that. I haven't got the ball yet. I had no idea about this hip and shoulder rule that you're allowed to hip and shoulder people out of the road. And I was getting sick of it. So in the final quarter, this same guy, I'm just about to pick up the ball. I could see the, you know, the, the goals in sight. And this is a cool game, Aussie rules. Even if you miss, you get a point. And uh, I'm thinking, hey, I'm sure to get, at least get a point here. And this guy bumped me out of the road again. But I kept enough of my balance. Again, the ref didn't blow his whistle. And the ref was miles away. So I just gave him a little love tap on the chin just to, just to distract him a, a little bit. I forgot in Aussie rules, there's two refs. The other one sitting right behind me, blew his whistle and sent me off. I'd been a pastor at Gateway for six months. 
And there was about five other guys on the team who went to the church laughing their heads off. And I got sent to the naughty corner. There was a little white box I had to sit in. And I thought I was going to lose my job and get kicked out of the Baptist Union. I could now tell the story because I lead the Baptist Union and <laughs> no one's going to kick me out. And when you get sent off playing footy, you actually get imprisoned. You actually get told that's where you've got to, uh, that's where you've got to stay. But being sent off in Acts chapter 13 was the exact opposite. Incredibly exciting adventure of setting people free. It's the same adventure we're called to. Luke, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus preaches his first sermon in his hometown, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And when the spirit of the Lord is upon you, you proclaim freedom for the prisoners. You set the oppressed free. And in our community and people around the globe, there are people living in the oppression of poverty and the darkness of sin. And there is. Some of us have forgotten this. We've been Christians for a long time. And we've forgotten what it's like carrying around your sin and carrying around your shame. There's no hope for freedom from sin if someone would not go and share Jesus with them. That's why this call on our lives to, to share the good news of Jesus is so important. The church fasted and prayed in Antioch. The gospel had not gone beyond the, the east coast of the Mediterranean. Paul hadn't begun his missionary journeys, written any of his letters. The local church fasted and they prayed and they heard the Holy Spirit say, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul and they sent them off by the laying on of hands and this moment in time sparked a missional movement that would make Christianity the dominant religion in the Roman Empire in the next 250 years. It would result in today probably over a billion followers of Jesus on planet Earth. 13 of the 29 books of the New Testament were written because of this moment in church history, because a church fasted and they prayed. They heard God speak. They set them apart. They laid hands on them and they sent them off and the gospel went to the ends of the earth. The course of history changed as a local church fasted and prayed. It's happened before. It can happen again. It's one of the joys. Is it 1028? Have I been talking for that long? My giddy aunt. I got carried away this morning. Is that right? Oh, my apologies. Come on, band, come up. Come on, let's get on our feet. I had more to say, but I've way over time. You know, for the last, as Sam said, tonight we're going to honour Morris. You're going to have to come and hear that story tonight. I don't have time for it this morning. But God's still moving in power. God's still taking ordinary people, filling them with the power of his Holy Spirit and sending them out to make a significant difference around the world. I just believe there's hungry hearts in this room here. You're hungry to see God break through. You're hungry to see God move in power in this Redlands community. You see, some of us are sent, like, like Morris, and again, you'll hear that story tonight, across the sea 
for 45 years to share the gospel, one of the poorest nations of the world. Some of us in the last couple of years have been sent across Moreton Bay to some of the Bay Islands and you've been sharing the good news of Jesus, some people who desperately need. But if you're not sent across the sea, you're sent across the street. You're sent across the office. We're all sent somewhere. We're all sent somewhere to see people set free from sin and shame. And and not because you're strong, but because you're filled with the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Come on, are we hungry for that here this morning? We hungry for, for more of God, to see God move in power through us? I'm just gonna make this really simple. Just close your eyes for a minute. One person, one person that you know is right now heading to a crisis eternity. And this morning you'd say, I really want them to come to know Jesus. I'm hungry. I'm hungry enough that I'll fast and pray. And I'm hungry enough that I'll ask my church to lay hands on me this morning, to be set apart, filled with the Spirit, and sent off to share the gospel. One person, you're hungry enough to fast and pray and you're willing to get your church to gather around you filled with the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna take a step of faith to share your story of what Jesus has done in your life with one person. If that's you this morning, as we sing this final song, Just take a step down the front right now. Come on, if that's you, you got one person in mind. You want some people to gather around you and pray for you. You're you're willing to fast and pray until you see a breakthrough. Come on, there's more of you that need to come. Just come to the front. This is how revival happens. Ordinary people, just, just keep moving to the front if you can, push, push your way through. Revival doesn't happen removed from us. Revival happens one person at a time. Ordinary people just saying, I'm in. The Spirit of God is upon me. I'm one of the ones that's called to go and set the oppressed free. That's how revival happens. When we all start to realise It's not about my strength. It's about the power of God within me. Come on this morning. Just open your arms and receive. Come on, open your arms and say, God, I'm hungry. God, I want you. I want you more than anything. I want you to fill me with your power. Father God, this morning, come by your Holy Spirit. Come fill us with power. Come, Holy Spirit, come fill us with your power. Fill us with your power and your strength. God, would you give us courage today to walk across that room and to share your good news. Fill us with courage today to take that step of faith into an uncomfortable zone, into a place where we desperately need you. 
God, come by your Holy Spirit and just fan into flame, fan into flame that gift within us, that, that, that gift of your Spirit within us that's called us and set us apart to share good news. Come Holy Spirit, come set us apart. God, I do pray this morning for breakthrough. I pray for breakthrough in family members. God, I pray for breakthrough in people that we share offices with. God, I pray for breakthrough in our streets, in our neighbourhoods. God, that people would walk through the doors of our homes and we'd share our stories and we'd share our tables and people would see the goodness of God. People would hear the grace of God and then be captured by the love of God. God, would you break through in Jesus' name. I pray particularly this morning for some people that have been prayed for for 10 years, for 20 years. God, would you give us a perseverance in your Holy Spirit. I've got a, a strength in your Spirit not to give up. Come, Holy Spirit. Move in us. Move us forward. May you open our mouths to share your good news and to see people set free. I pray in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to get connected with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.